Saving money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. Writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, I have a segment from Joel Schwartzberg about writing better email, and it has already changed the way I write my emails. It's great stuff. And given the times we're in, I have a segment about where we get the words pandemic and epidemic and what makes them different, and a segment about why you see two different spellings for the word canceled. Let's get started. If you had to deliver a speech, would you knowingly choose the wrong title, bury your point, or say things that would get you in trouble with your colleagues or bosses? Of course not. But many of us unconsciously do these things while writing work emails all the time. They're not just sloppy, though. These common errors can dilute and even destroy the impact you're hoping to achieve, as well as sabotage your credibility. Here are seven of the most destructive email mistakes and how you can avoid them. Mistake number one is a subject line that the thread has outgrown. Few things are more misleading than a new thought living under an old subject line. When your subject line is re, re, re Tuesday, your recipient isn't going to know that you've hit upon breakthrough marketing ideas since you initially scheduled a routine meeting for Tuesday. To fix it, just amend the subject line to reflect the new topic. Don't be afraid to change a thread's subject line if it's become obsolete or if you're taking it in a new direction. So, for instance, new ideas to engage millennials is more likely to get read than re-re-re-Tuesday. What's more, your colleagues are likely to take you far more seriously overall if you aren't unintentionally misleading them. Mistake number two is that your emails don't have a clear point. Why send a pointless message that wastes both your time and your recipient's time? You may not even realize that your email doesn't have a clear point, confusing that with a theme or topic. Here's a quick test. Can you express your point aloud in one sentence? If not, then you're simply sending a bunch of ideas organized under a general umbrella and expecting your reader to do the hard work for you. Don't be that person. What you want instead is a reputation as someone who can get straight to what really matters. To fix it, decide what you want your reader to learn before you hit send. Take what you think is your point and add the words, I believe, to the front of it. If it's not grammatically correct, 
you probably don't have a real point. Once your point passes that test, make sure it appears within your first three sentences and try to close with another way of saying it. Imagine you're a bicycle messenger and think of your point as the package you're delivering. Mistake number three is skipping the greeting. I used to do this. In emails, people often skip the hi so-and-so, but there's value to this friendly gesture, even when you're ditching other formalities. It creates an instant connection that makes the recipient immediately feel comfortable and welcomed, even if only subconsciously. And in order for you to be listened to and considered, you need to establish that connection right off the bat. So always start with a quick greeting. If you're writing to multiple people, consider writing, hi team, or hi everyone. Mistake number four is when your thanks ring hollow. The word thanks on its own won't get you far. All it really says is, you did something, and I saw it, maybe. It's not thoughtful. For the comment to have meaning for your recipients and to bolster your reputation as someone who takes the time to read and listen, you need to tell them why the thing they did was valuable. Say what you're thanking them for. Always include the why when you show appreciation, give credit, and include details. The more, the better. Taking the time to be explicit in how you express appreciation in your emails demonstrates your commitment to the team and helps win their trust. Instead of saying thanks or even thanks for organizing the meeting, try something like thanks for organizing the meeting, the way you sent out regular updates, and especially the way you handled the last-minute changes really helped everyone know what they were getting into and feel prepared. Mistake number five is too many words. Your point and the words you use to deliver it are two different things. Your goal is to use as few words as possible so that they help deliver your point. Too many emails contain huge blocks of text that bury the point and might even give the impression that you've got something to hide. Just follow these three rules. Cut all but the most necessary words, especially useless adverbs like very and really, before hitting send. Break paragraphs more than you think you need to, with no more than two or three sentences in each. And use bullets when you have groups of three ideas or more. This will spotlight those ideas and cut out more unnecessary words. Mistake number six is having grammar and spelling mistakes. Even though you graduated from high school many moons ago, spelling still counts. Spelling, grammar, and accuracy mistakes can be a huge distraction for a reader and can easily hurt your credibility. Scan for typos before sending and always use spell check. For an even better review, read your email aloud, quietly. You can illuminate errors and redundancies you might otherwise miss. The time you invest in revising your email now can magnify its impact later. And mistake number seven is when you criticize without offering suggestions. A wise former boss instituted a rule for staff meetings. No criticism without suggestions for correction. That rule made an enormous difference in both morale and productivity of our meetings. And the same is true for email. The best received points are constructive, not destructive. 
and the people who give constructive feedback ultimately wield the most influence. The next time you send an email criticizing an idea, include suggestions for improving it immediately after you lay out your critique. This shows not only that you're a problem solver, but that you possess leadership skills too. You're more likely to develop strong, long-term working relationships with your recipients this way. No one likes a hit-and-run naysayer in real life, so don't think you can get away with it by email either. That segment was written by Joel Schwartzberg, the Senior Director of Strategic and Executive Communications for the ASPCA, a professional communications trainer and the author of the just-released book, Get to the Point, Sharpen Your Message and Make Your Words Matter. Generally speaking, a pandemic is more serious than an epidemic. A pandemic spreads wider and affects more people. According to the CDC, an epidemic is an increase, often sudden, in the number of cases of a disease above what's normally expected in that population, in that area. And a pandemic is an epidemic that is spread over several countries or continents, usually affecting a large number of people. Also, here's a bit of help with the terminology because it can be confusing. The disease was originally called the 2019 novel coronavirus. According to the World Health Organization, the official name of the virus is Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2, SARS-CoV-2 for short. And the name of the disease is coronavirus disease or COVID-19. Much like HIV is the name of the virus that causes AIDS, SARS-CoV-2 is the virus that causes COVID-19. If you're wondering about the origin of the words, the demic part comes from the Greek word demos, which means people. It's the same root that gives us the word democracy, which means government by the people. Epi in epidemic means among or upon. So an epidemic is among the people or upon the people. And pan means all. So a pandemic is affecting all the people. Those definitions are subjective. And it's not as if there's a scientific test that reveals that, yes, suddenly at this one specific moment, we meet the criteria for a pandemic. But since the virus has now affected more than 175,000 people worldwide, is in more than 100 countries, and is on every continent except Antarctica, COVID-19 definitely meets the general criteria for a pandemic. Next, you're probably seeing the word canceled a lot right now, but should it be spelled with one L or two? Well, it depends on where you live. Canceled with one L is more common in American English, and canceled with two L's is more common in British English. But these aren't hard and fast rules, either. A Google Ngram search of published books shows that both spellings are in use in both countries. The AP Style book, used by many American news outlets, recommends canceled with one L. Canceled with two L's is clearly the dominant form in British English, which my Canadian and Australian friends tell me is the preferred form in Canadian English and Australian English, too. And I'll add that whenever I talk about this rule, I always hear from American friends who tell me they prefer the 2L version. 
I don't make the rules. I just tell you what they are. And if you aren't bound by a style guide, feel free to use whatever you want. Noah Webster is usually credited with creating American spellings that have fewer letters than British spellings, such as color and flavor and canceled with one L. In summary, if you're writing for an American audience, spell canceled with one L. And if you're writing for a British audience, spell canceled with two L's. And if it bothers you that there are two spellings, blame Noah Webster. Finally, I have a familect story. That's like a family dialect. It's a word used by just your family. Here we go. Hello there. I enjoy your podcast, and I wanted to share my familect story. When my son was little, he was a really picky eater, as children often are. We sent him to a daycare when he was about five years old. One day, the daycare provider called and said that my son was very upset and he wanted something to eat, but she couldn't figure out what exactly it was. She wasn't aware of what we fed him at home. He kept repeating, give me my Oshpins, give me my Oshpins, talk about food, talk about food. She explained that she pulled apart the cupboards and asked him, do you want this, do you want that? She didn't know what it was and he got so upset, he started to cry and he hollered, I want my Oshpins, talk about food. So. When she called, I just I couldn't figure out what she was talking about. So after I hung up the phone, I gave it a lot of thought and I considered what it could be. And then suddenly it dawned on me, he was talking about his options because that's how I would feed him. I would say, you can have this or you can have this. These are your options. What would you like to eat? So it's become a thing when in my family now, somebody's hungry, they say, what are my options? And that's how we discuss what we're going to eat that night. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. I find myself feeling sorry for that little boy. If you want to share your family dialect story, leave a voicemail at 83-321-4-GIRL, and you might hear it on the show. And be sure to call from somewhere quiet. The biggest reason I can't use people's voicemails is because there's too much background noise. I'm Mignon Fogarty, author of the New York Times bestseller, Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sams. And that's all. Thanks for listening. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll... To after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.